Welcome to the Viva Young Adults podcast. We're the Young Adults Ministry of Viva Church, and we want to thank you so much for tuning in. Whether you're already a part of YA or a guest with us today, we hope that what's shared encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. It's really good to be here with you guys. It's like having coffee, but with like a hundred people at once, <laughs> and only I'm the one talking. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's absolutely no place I would rather be um, than here, actually. I don't think that's true. I'd rather much be sitting where you are right now. <laughs> have you guys ever considered this? This is like an ambush type setup. You've got like hundreds of eyes looking at you from every direction, waiting to pounce on you the minute that you're not looking and there's no escape route. Like <laughs> there's nowhere to run to. Um, I gotta think like, okay, friend, not foe, friend, not foe. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, all right, friends. Um, any of you here a fan of reality TV? Reality TV. All right, I have one brave soul. One brave soul. Okay, three. Okay, well, I'm glad the rest of you make better use of your time. I, I'm not a fan of reality TV, but except for one, maybe. Um, the Amazing Race, anyone? Okay, there we go. Okay. Uh, some of you might not even know it because I don't, is it still running? I think it's, anyway, it's pretty old. <laughs> I'm pretty old, but um, I just wanted to de describe it in a concise way so I have something written to describe what that game is like for those of you who've never watched it before. Um, it's an adventure reality game show where teams of two people travel all over the world to compete with other teams. And the race is split into legs where teams have to figure out clues and navigate themselves in like really strange lands and around cultures that they've never been in. Um, and the teams are progressively eliminated at the end of most legs for being the last to arrive at something called a pit stop. So until only three teams remain and the first team to finally make it to the end of the finish line is awarded the grand prize, right? Everyone follow? Okay. okay. And I thought it was exciting to watch because um, the tables could turn at any time. You know, like all of a sudden they could get an advance and they didn't have to do the challenge anymore. Or sometimes they got a detour and they had to like do something else in order to make up for it. Or they could find setbacks. They maybe missed a flight and then you have to find another one to cash it. So you might be really delayed. In any way, the tables could turn at any time and the team that was leading could suddenly find themselves like at the back of the pack. Right? So that was the exciting part. It was like, oh, the tables have flipped. Ha ha. I never liked you anyway. <laughs> um, but that's exactly how I felt about my life. Okay. There was a constant tug of war to be ahead, to not fall behind, to not be the last one, to not arrive where everybody's chasing. You know, you want to be the one being chased after, right? And I was looking and comparing myself to everything around me, uh, seeing where people, other people were, where I fit in. Um, and I was always just reaching for something more. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah. But when I turned 10, that's when I really felt like I got set back. Okay, it was like the biggest setback of my life because at the age of 10, my beautiful loving family decided that it'd be a great idea to move from Argentina 
beautiful, warm, sunny Argentina, <laughs> to this cold, dark, dreary Canada <laughs> that I now call home. <laughs> you like my choice of descriptors, right? I had to make it. Like, this was exactly how I felt. It was like night and day. And I was, uh, anyway. But I was leaving behind my friends, my family, my Argentine way of life, the food, the food, can I say the food, the steak? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, you just have to know. But the food is like the first thing you miss when you are out of home, yeah, right? Um, but the sunshine, of course, oh, glorious sun. But my way of life really changed, and it changed drastically, very, very quickly. I knew right away that I, I was at a disadvantage. Like, kids around me were light years ahead of me. Um, they knew their way around their language. They had friends. Um, the culture was set for them. They knew the ins and outs of it. And there I was, at 10 years old, trying to use my fingers to motion for a pair of scissors and learning how to say cat or dog or camel, you know, like things that everyone just, it was just like 10 years of everyone being ahead of you. Um, and so that year, the only class that I passed was math because two plus two is four in every single country. <laughs> it never betrayed me. <laughs> and I knew that I could fall on it. I like, this is why I excelled in math because it was the only language that it carried through for the, anyway. Um, so the next couple of years of my life were really set up for me, right? I knew what I had to do. I had to catch up and I had to blend in because whatever that looked like in the predominantly white city of Oshawa. <laughs> um, I don't know, but I didn't, I didn't blend in very quickly. I was probably the only person who ever brought stir-fried noodles to lunch. Um, and I, it quickly stopped because somebody thought, <laughs> and they screamed out very loudly, ew, she's eating shoelaces. <laughs> like, and I'm just like, okay, dad, do not pack me a lunch. Just give me a sandwich and be done with it. Like, I don't want these fancy nutritional lunches. Like, just give me whatever. Lunchables, something. Let me blend in, please. Because, oh <laughs> you know, you open your lunchbox and it's like, oh, everyone knows what you bring. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I tried. I really tried to blend in. I started to talk like the kids in my class. I dressed like them. Um, I tried to be like them. I ate what they ate <laughs> and did what they did. And I advanced. And during the leg of the race of my life that time, I went from back of the pack to the leader of the pack very quickly, helped by the fact that the prettiest, most popular girl decided to be my best friend. <laughs> It was like I was catapulted into the cool group without even knowing why, really. <laughs> um, and my, my grades were excelling, and all of a sudden, I was, it was really getting into my head, okay? I was thinking, yeah, this is me. Like, every time you think that, oh, the quiet people are always so nice. Like, no, you should think, you should know the things that we think about you. <laughs> like, if you only knew what the quiet people think, I'll give you an insight. Like during that season of my life when I started to feel really prideful of what I had achieved and where I had gone, I would recite this poem in my head and I would think, okay, 
every time I outdid someone at class or in sports, or I'd give myself a pat on the back, but I would do this by reciting this poem. And I would pretend that I was saying it to the person that I just beat. <laughs> do you guys want to hear it? <laughs> okay, it goes like this. Roses are red, violets are blue. There's always an Asian better than you. <laughs> case you go from the back of the pack and the front like yo-yoing right like it's just this game of life where sometimes you feel ahead and sometimes you're way back in the back and then you get to university uh, like you finish high school you're at the top of your game and then university puts you back into the humble position you thought you were smart until there's like a hundred other people who are smarter than you and then you start climbing back up when you finally finish university the job world tells you that no you start at the bottom of the totem pole again and you try to build yourself up so we're constantly in this yo-yo comparison game where we go from inadequacy to pride and back and forth all the time and on and on it went so tonight I'd like to talk with you about the trap of comparison okay uh, lesson lived <laughs> and I realized that times have changed right back in when I was young <laughs> that was a long time for you guys uh, there was no social media and I realized that social media has made things a lot worse for you guys growing up um, you may have been exposed to it ever since you were young but where once we looked at ourselves in comparison and relation to just the 10 people around us now we have a whole world of people that you could compare yourself to right sorry i'm losing my voice since this morning so <clears throat> i might keep doing this um so we used to compare ourselves just to the 10 people that are in our school and our communities that we thought were like the prettiest or the, the fastest or like the strongest, right? But now <laughs> you have access into millions of people's lives and, and the comparison is like on. Believe it or not, this trap of comparison predates the age of social media. And some people think that social media is the reason why we compare, but it's not. Because if it was, I would just tell you to create your account and I could sit down there <laughs> and we'd be over. Um, but, which by the way, is not a bad idea for you to pick up. If this is the only thing you get from out of this, just close your social media account. It'll save you for a good life. That's my, that's my message. Can I sit? <laughs> no. Um, you can find comparison throughout the Bible. From as early as Cain and Abel, um, right? Because Abel brought an offering that was a lot more um, pleasing to the Lord. And Cain got so jealous. What did he do? He killed his own brother because he got jealous out of this, you know, anyway, diverging. <laughs> to the disciples walking on the side of a street and they're chatting amongst themselves saying, well, Jesus... Um, I wonder what Jesus thinks. And Jesus looks back and he's like, what were you guys talking about? Well, 
we were just discussing who was the greatest of us. You know, it's a very humbling conversation. I wonder how that went. Like, yeah, I healed that blind man and you were just sitting there like, I'm the greatest. No, you're the, like, there was, yeah, these are Jesus' disciples. So it was something that affected everyone. And tonight I want to land on the story of David and Saul. How many of you are familiar with the, with David and Saul? Okay, some of you. Uh, some of you don't, don't, which is great, because I prepared for those that don't know, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with both Saul and David, Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was, The tribe of Benjamin being one of the smallest of the clans in Israel. But they were known for their valor. They were outstanding in, in, in the army, being soldiers, being strong and courageous. They were like the fighting people, even though they were the smallest clan. And um, Saul was the first king of Israel. So the people demanded God that they needed a leader, even though God was like, no, you have me. No, they're like, no, we want a king. So God anoints Saul to raise him up as king. And the Bible also says that he is handsome, dark, and tall. So tall, dark, and handsome, what else could you want, right? Yeah, careful girls about what you want on your list because that's as much that's as positive things that you can find about Saul. <laughs> he's a good fighter, he's tall, dark, and handsome, and that's about it because the rest of it is downhill. Like he's just the epitome of what you would say, don't be this. And then David, of course, is like, be this. <laughs> so... Of course, uh, Saul didn't keep God's command, and he was rejected by the Lord. David, on the other hand, is the youngest son of Jesse, who had many, many other brothers alongside of him, but he was the youngest. And he was anointed to be the future king, of course, um, after Saul. But he was called a shepherd boy who was a man after God's own heart. And he gets his big break, right, when, when what happens like it catapults him into fame. He kills Goliath, right? The giant that Saul's men, all of them, the fighting tribe of the tiniest clan known for their valor, they're all soldiers. They couldn't even compete against this giant Goliath or didn't even want to. And here comes David and he, you know, kills Goliath and his fame begins to rise. And this is where I want to pick up. If you have your Bibles with you, this is the time that I can get a sip in. <laughs> Bring your Bibles out. I'll let you swipe away all the notifications. Focus. It's the you version, what you're after, not Instagram, <laughs> not Facebook. Focus. <laughs> you version. <laughs> Open your Bibles. For those of you who have paper copies, brownie to you. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you want to speak to us and to share with us. Um, and we're just open, Lord. We're open to receive. And we pray that you would illuminate our hearts, that we would become more like you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. amen. First Samuel, first Samuel 18, verse two, first Samuel 18, two. I'm seeing someone like really proud. Did you have it open to there? Exactly. Ah, my Bible nerd. I love Bible nerds. <laughs> <clears throat> From the day that Saul, uh, aye, aye, if you're here, if you're there. All right. From the day that Saul kept David with him, 
Oh, sorry. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt, that whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was very angry and this refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought but me with only thousands. What more could he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. And as David grows in favor with the people and his fame starts to grow, Saul's envy and jealousy grows with it. So much so that he decides that he wants to kill David. Not once, not twice, but like eight times. And during one of these times, he fails at it and decides to recruit his own son, like all great fathers would, right? Come on along, son, I'll show you the way. Let's go kill your best friend. (laughs) And of course, Jonathan's like, no, I don't want to do that. He's my best friend. I'm not going to kill him. Um, And this is what uh, Saul, in his anger, says to his own son after Jonathan refuses to to go along and and kill his, his friend. 1 Samuel 20, 30, verse 30, yeah. In an angry frenzy, King Saul yells at his son, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. What did you think I was going to (laughs) say? You vulgar people. (laughs) This is the Bible. (laughs) You guys can use this at a gas station or the next time someone cuts you off. You you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. (laughs) Don't I know that you've sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame? and to the shame of your mother who bore you. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. This is a squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of thing, you know, because while Saul is spewing out all of his anger and kicking and screaming, with jealousy towards David and continually trying, falling into the trap of comparison, He's feeling threatened that David's going to somehow take over his kingdom. And, and we forget, we somehow forget that David wasn't going to take Saul's kingdom because Saul was already king, right? Who's Saul talking to in this verse that he was saying? Who was he talking to when he called him? He was talking to Jonathan, right? So for as long as David lives on the earth, he says, Neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Whose kingdom was David going to take? Jonathan's. Jonathan's kingdom. Jonathan, it was Jonathan who had everything to lose. 
and yet he wasn't threatened by David. He's the prince and rightful successor to the throne, that to Jonathan belonged the inheritance of the kingdom of Israel, and he decided to make David his best friend. In light of this, I think it's fitting that we take a closer look at Jonathan, a man who was free from the trap of comparison. Would you turn to, turn to me, turn to me, <laughs> turn with me to, <laughs> turn with me to 1 Samuel 23, 15. 1 Samuel 23, 15. Yeah, we're, we're just going to stick with 1 Samuel. <laughs> Do a bit of flipping. Aye, aye. Aye, aye. aye, aye. While David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The first thing that we see here is that Jonathan humbled himself to God's decision. That even though the kingdom rightfully belonged to him, the the moment that God chose David over him, he came into agreement with God's plan and his purposes. And he said to David that you will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. He took off his robe, right? and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword. It says his bow and his belt, all representing his livelihood as a prince and as a soldier. And he gave it to the one who just took the kingdom and his inheritance away. The second thing we see is that Jonathan helped David find strength in the Lord and he reminded him of his destiny. That in order to find something, It must be missing first, right? So somewhere along the path, David had lost his strength in the Lord. And Jonathan went to him to help him get it back. That despite his circumstances and what was in front of him, that Saul was trying to kill him, and he kept having to run for his life, not even knowing that he'd see the next day, you know? Uh, Jonathan reminded David of God's ultimate plan for his life that he was going to be Israel's king. Didn't matter the circumstances that he found himself in, you will be king, David. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. Okay. And the last thing is this. Unlike his father, Saul kept a close eye on David. Remember when he came back from killing the Philistine and David got his tens of thousands and he said, and from that day on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Jonathan wasn't interested in what others around him were doing. He was looking at what God was doing. Before David ever went and fought Goliath, Jonathan was the first to initiate the attack against the Philistine. Did you know that? That we we see the the rise of, of Goliath's fall, but this was not initiated just then. It had been a fight that was initiated by Jonathan. And this attack was followed by a mighty move of God. And it triggered a snowball effect that eventually cost Israel 
to have victory over their enemy. Would you turn with me to 1 Samuel 14? We're going to go back a little bit. And I would like to read <coughs> this battle that happened, the one that I just described. 1 Samuel 14, verse 1 to 23. Um, I'm going to read it the way that I have it laid out, which means that some verses are missing just to forsake the time. And they're the ones that you have to say like crazy names and crazy places. Um, <laughs> so I pick and choose the verses I want to present for my message, right? Heresy. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, like this is why I'm doing a preface that there are verses missing, but it's all... The point is there. You can read it. Uh, and <laughs> you can call Pastor Phil after. <laughs> um, verse 1. One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gebeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. For with him were about 600 men. Verse 6. Jonathan said to his son, his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said, go ahead, I'm with you heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then, we will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up using his hand and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in the area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army. Those in the camp and field, and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook, and it was a panic sent by God. Saul's, out, Saul's lookouts at Gebeah and Benjamin saw the army melting away in all directions. <coughs> then Saul said to the men who were with him, muster the forces and see who has left us. And when they did, it was Jonathan and his armor bearer who were not there. Verse 20. Then Saul and all his men assembled and went to the battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been in the Philistines and had gone up with them to their camp went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. So on that day, the Lord saved Israel, and the battle moved on beyond Bethaven. You see, Jonathan wasn't concerned about what everybody else was doing. 
he was, his concern was about what God was doing. He had limited resources. He had only one person who was willing to go with him, willingly, um, into battle. But he acted. And he was unsure of the outcome, but he acted. And he said, perhaps the Lord will come to our side. But he knew that God was able to save, and he acted on this conviction. Didn't matter how many people, if God was going to save, he could do it with one, with the few, or with the many, right? So Jonathan created space for God to move, and he put a demand, an opportunity for God to show up, and God did. So easy sometimes for us to sit back and be like Saul and his 600 men waiting for God to show up. But God found in Jonathan that one man, that one person who is looking at his every move. Saul gave in to this trap of comparison, growing in jealousy and envy and ultimately leading to his destruction. He chose to focus his attention on David. He was so concerned about losing his kingdom that he took his eyes off the one who had given it to him. That he was there in the first place because God had anointed him. But he took his eyes off that and started to be threatened by someone else. So let me ask you tonight, where are you looking? What have your eyes been set on? What's the focus of your attention? Is it on the approval of people? On measuring up? On getting the next promotion? Your dream job? Your dream car? Your dream house? Is it finding the right partner? Is it fixed on the success of your ministry? Like Saul, are you looking everywhere around except for the one that you need to look at? I'd like to direct your focus tonight to look to God. Look to God. Guys, the only FOMO we need to have is the fear of missing out of what God's doing. Okay. If we want to see the healings and the signs and the miracles and the kingdom of God coming, here on earth, we need to put our agenda aside and put the spotlight where it needs to be. Okay, God's doing a new thing, and he's looking for somebody who'd say, yeah, God, I'm here. I'm looking at you. I'm willing to go. I'm going to put myself in a position for you to show up. I'm not going to step. I'm going to step out, and if I'm a, even if I don't know the outcome, God, I'm going to trust you. Because I know who you are. I can trust your character. God's looking for the one who's willing to say, here I am. I may be the only one, but here I am. And I'm looking at your every move, God. Call me where you want me to go. Are you more concerned about what everybody else is thinking instead of what God is thinking of you? With God, all things are possible, and we need to have that reality that God, with all things, 
you can do it, and I trust you. Are you creating space in your life for him to show up in your life? We're only limited, we're only as limited as the size of the step we take, okay? If you don't take a step, that's what's limiting you. Comparison will limit you, but courage will expand. And when you compare yourselves to others, you'll always feel limited. You'll always feel like you don't have enough. You'll always feel dissatisfied. But young people, do you know why you feel dissatisfied? Do you know why you feel dissatisfied? Because nothing earthly was ever meant to fulfill you. And you've got your eyes set on everything that's earthly, trying to fit something that God was meant to fit. And fail. If it's not serving you, you know, God created earthly things and created you, but He put dominion. Oh, uh, your He put you in dominion over everything else. So it was created to serve you, and if it's not serving you, it means you're serving it. Okay. that when we compare ourselves to others, we become less and less the image of Christ. Can I remind you tonight that you are kingdom people, that earth is not your home, that your identity didn't come from your achievements, your awards, that your identity came from heaven. And that is where we need to find our source. Let me tell you that God's kingdom looks drastically different than this world's with its systems and its values. And it's up to you to decide whether you'll follow the values and cultures of this world or you will look to God and pattern your life to the ways of Christ. The second thing I want to point out is this. Commit to help others find their strength in the Lord. Can we do that, church? Can we commit to strengthen others in the church? even in your life, to those around you in the community. Life is not a competition. It's not. We live in a society and a culture that has pitted us against each other, that somehow it's made us believe that their success means my failure. Right? But it creates a, a place of mistrust and jealousy and envy. It kills creativity. It kills joy. All the things that God created for us to enjoy are now killing us. So we try to be others. We copy them. We want to have their personality, their charisma. You know, we want to be funny like them. We want to be taller like them. Please, like, (laughs) there's nothing great about being six feet tall except that you can reach the top of the the thing without a ladder. (laughs) You know, it's, uh, it's not as great as people imagine it to be, but... Who knows? Um, You know, we want to be someone else, but we forget the strengths and the gifts that God has given each one of us, specifically for the purpose of strengthening others, strengthening his body and his church. And some of us, like, oh, sorry, can I add this? Andy Stanley had said, leverage what God gave you and celebrate what God gave others. We come with that heart that, you know, we have something, leverage that, use it. As little as you may think that it is, leverage it, but celebrate what God had given others. Don't just try to compete and say, oh, I want what they have. 
Just imagine being grateful for what you've been given. Some of us, like David, somewhere along the path have lost our strength in the Lord. And those pictures on social media are not always as it seems. They're just the highlights. And behind every image, there's a person, a real living, kicking person with a story. Um, for the two months that I used social media, I felt lonelier and more depressed than I ever did. I was becoming the worst version of myself. But my profile didn't reflect any of that. I'm okay because I look at my life uh, and it looks great. Just look at it. I have everything I want. I have my car, my career, my house, my friends. Uh, look at me. I'm important because I finally made it to the top and I'm traveling all over the world. What else could you want? Right? But that was real. And we hide behind this impenetrable fortress that, that ends up dividing us and isolating us from each other because we're no longer approachable. People are just watching us from a distance saying, oh, they're untouchable. They're so way above us. But we don't realize that they might be struggling. So don't just assume that people are doing okay by what you see. Get involved in each other's lives. Yes. Ask each other the tough questions like, how's your walk? How are you feeling? Do you need some strength in the Lord? Sharpen each other. Keep each other accountable. Because yeah. like Jonathan, you have to go to them. Yeah. David didn't go to Jonathan. Jonathan went to David to go strengthen him. Okay. We are a body. It says in Ecclesiastes that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls, one can help the other up. But pity the one, pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Um, my last point here is this, choose humility. Choose humility. Humility is a choice. It's not a disposition. We're not born with it. <laughs> Have you ever met a humble child? <laughs> like, <laughs> look at me, look at what I did. Look at like, what I like? I, I, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> Jonathan aligned himself with God's decision and he put aside his agenda to be king and willingly accepted God's decision that he would be second to David. That when we're free from the trap of comparison, we can trust God with his plan for our lives. Okay. That we can, that our lives revolve around him and not the other way around. We can trust that he knows us better than anyone else would including our own, our, ourselves, and we can trust his decision. Jesus patterned his life in the way of the kingdom, and he trusted his father, didn't he? He trusted his father even to the cross. His identity came from heaven, and so does yours. And, and he invites you in today to a different way of life. I want to close with this scripture found in Philippians 2. Verse 2 to 11. <clears throat> you guys all right? It's really quiet here. Okay. Okay. I don't know if everyone's like sleeping because I, 
I'm pretty monotonous sometimes. <laughs> um, Philippians 2, 2 to 11. <coughs> Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count himself equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You have some decisions to make tonight about your life. And the way that you're patterning your life to Christ and his kingdom or to something else is up to you. As I was preparing for this message, I just sensed the Lord wanting to shake off disappointment over your life some of you are looking for all these things because you've been so disappointed at the cards that God has handed you and you're striving to make yourself less of a disappointment you might even be disappointed at God that we walk and we try to fill everything that we can into a, into our lives and God's saying that when the planets are aligned right your life revolves around me and that's how God created us that our lives would revolve around him and his plans so tonight I want to ask you to surrender those things that are have been revolving the wrong way that are out of alignment that you would lay it down in humility knowing that you can trust God for your life that he's good that he knows what he's doing that he created the earth and everything we know about the cosmos for 
us to who you are, God. And Lord, we just say as a group of young people that we that we are the one, Father, who are, who's looking to you at your every move, Lord. Lord, that we're looking to you. We're not looking elsewhere. And we choose to humble our lives before you the goals and the pursuits of our life so that they align with what you have planned for us, God. That even if you call us to be second behind someone, Lord, we would willfully and willingly surrender because we trust you and we trust your character. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for listening to the message. We believe that we weren't meant to do life alone, so feel free to reach out by following and DMing us at Phoebe Young Adults. And don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast and share it with someone you know.